0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Chronic Fatigue and Burnout Recovery Podcast. It is a beautiful, sunny winter's day here this morning. I'm sitting in my office and um, I do have the blinds closed because there is so much light coming into my office, which is unfortunately the problem with winter is when the, the sun is beautiful and bright. I kind of have to shut it out when I'm working. But there's a little gap between the um, blinds and the windowsill, and there is a little bit of light streaming in on my microphone, and you can feel its warmth. And yeah, it feels like a good day to record a podcast episode. And today, I wanted to talk to you about the stages of change, because everybody knows that experiencing a chronic illness and moving through the challenges that come with that require a lot of adaptation a lot of change in one's life but also the process of the journey of recovery in also requires huge amounts of change and i've been i work with all sorts of different clients and all of these clients each have their own unique cases whether that is long covid whether that is some sort of viral fatigue syndrome whether they have a vaccine injury or something else going on, just more of a kind of burnout situation with no specific triggers, but maybe there's quite a few different things that are all sort of feeding into the picture. So we have all sorts of different clients having different experiences for different reasons in our business. And each of these clients also comes with their own starting point, I guess. I have clients who are already doing like paleo and keto and fasting and then other clients who are kind of eating the traditional British diet, which we know is not particularly healthy. And they're starting from scratch when it comes to learning about eating single ingredient foods and eating proper quality foods and meal planning and eating enough protein. And that's just the diet side of things let alone, you know, all the other changes we have to make on our chronic illness journey. Um, You know, there could be changes around self-care, changes around setting boundaries, changes around sleep routines. So there's loads of different changes that we have to make as we are moving through the journey of healing. And it's not easy. Let's just go straight in and say it's not easy. And I would also be tempted to argue that some people find it harder than others for various reasons. I personally kind of saw my healing journey as one big challenge, which isn't necessarily a good thing. I saw it as um, something I could just throw myself into and achieve at, which, which has its positives and which has its negatives. Personally, I'm somebody that if I'm motivated enough to do something, then I really go all in and I fully commit. And therefore, I'm the type of person that I'll just do whatever it takes to make the changes required to produce the outcome that is required. Obviously, some changes are easier than others, but I've got a very driven personality. But not everybody is wired like me. In fact, most people are not wired like me. And therefore, I very often find myself working with people who are not wired like me. And therefore, I have had to learn a lot of skills and a lot of tools to help them make the changes that are required for them to move forward in their healing journey. And some of my clients are like me, and I just tell them what to do, they go and do it, and it's really, really straightforward. And then others really struggle with the changes. And of course, then the progress is more slow. And that's not necessarily anyone's fault. It's just how that person's journey looks. So this podcast, I guess, is for the people who maybe struggle a little bit more with change. Those people who really find that they tend to self-sabotage, they tend to procrastinate, they tend to be all or nothing so they do things for a little bit but then they kind of go backwards and they're just inconsistent is probably the word and I don't say that with judgment I say that just with awareness we need to know what our patterns are because without awareness of what our patterns are we we don't have the ability to change them so if you can hold your hands up and go yes I procrastinate yes I'm that person who can't be consistent yes I self-sabotage That's a fantastic first step because with that awareness, then you can learn tools to support yourself. So that's kind of what this episode is about. It's about understanding the stages of change and being able to identify what stage of change you're in also means that you can support yourself in that stage. You can meet yourself in that stage. And then from that place, it might be a little bit easier to move forward. Now, I actually teach this framework in my Nurturing Resilience Group program, and we interweave it with that understanding of the nervous system. So not only do we understand what is happening at each stage, but we also understand what the nervous system is doing at each stage and how we need to meet the needs of the nervous system at each stage. Now, granted, the Nurturing Resilience program is a 12-week program, so I can't go into the depth that I do when I teach that section of the course. But if whatever you learn today excites you and inspires you and you know you need to work on your system and you know you need to work on your nervous system and you also know you're somebody who procrastinates, somebody who self-sabotages, somebody who can't be consistent, then you might consider taking that course. The next round will be starting at the beginning of March. But anyway, the final thing I want to say before I get into the nitty gritty of the episode is that this episode really actually does require a visual. I'm going to be describing a concept to you, which I call the Big Tick. And the Big Tick is a framework that I hold in my awareness with every single client that I work with. And with some clients, I'll actually teach them the concepts to help them move forward in their journey. So, The big tick is um, basically looks like, as the name suggests, it's a tick. So if you imagine a tick shape, but at the very ends of the tick, there's two horizontal lines. So what you have is almost um, like a square, I guess, a square root sign, but there's also a horizontal line at the beginning of the square root, just where the V starts. So if you can picture that, great. If you're still very confused about what I'm talking about, um, I will link an image with this episode and then you should be able to find the image on my website. You can look at the image because probably want to have a little bit of a visual as I talk you through this episode. But if you can hold this visualization of this big tick in your mind while you listen, that might be good enough as well. So the Bink Tech is a concept that I learned from a man called Steve Linder, who was somebody I did a neurostrategies training with. And neurostrategies is is essentially neurolinguistic programming. Although I trained in neurolinguistic programming back in 2008, when I did my first nutrition degree, I elected to do this neurostrategies training because it was probably one of the most incredible trainings I've ever done in my life in terms of understanding human change and human behavior. And I got to do it with the incredible Steve Linder. And just a little anecdote is the training was held in Orlando and the conference venue was actually in Orlando Airport. So I flew, this was I think in 2018, I think. I flew to Orlando for a week to do this intensive training. Never really left the airport the whole time. And my accountant was very confused. Uh, He was like, why did you go to Orlando for a week? And why are you claiming this back on your business? And I had to explain to him that I did not go to Disney World for a week and try and claim it back on my business. But it was actually um, hanging around Orlando Airport for a week. I wouldn't really say hanging around. There was no time for hanging around. It was quite a, a full on training, like 13 hour days. But I was in Orlando Airport for a week doing this training and learning all about the big tick. So that's really what I want to share with you. And also just to say that when I teach my clients this framework, they really love it because it just makes so much sense. So without any more waffling from me, I'll go in and I will begin to explain the big tick framework. So I mentioned already that we have that sort of square root sign with a little line at the beginning of the, the V of the square root. And on the big tick, there are letters um, which mark off different segments of that. And you can see this on the image if you click through to the link. And so we've got letters A through to H, which represent the journey of change. And within that sign, we've got a segment AB, we've got a segment B, we've got segment C, we've got segment E, and we've got segment G. And then each of these segments represents different parts of change. So you may have already heard of unconscious incompetence. Unconscious incompetence is when we don't know what we don't know. So when I first became unwell, I didn't even know it wasn't on my radar that blood sugar was an issue for me. So I was unconsciously incompetent at managing my blood sugar because I didn't even know it was something that I needed to do, let alone the fact that it wasn't in my blood sugar wasn't in a very good way. So I was unconsciously incompetent at that stage. And that's usually where a lot of people are before they become unwell. They're just kind of going about their day-to-day, doing what they're doing, not really aware that some of the behaviors, patterns, choices that they're making are maybe slowly leading them towards the onset of an illness. So that's the first segment, segment A to B, which is unconscious incompetence. You're just doing what you're doing, going through life, not really aware that there's a problem. And then we get to point B at the end of that segment. And point B is what I call where we start to get the niggle. So the niggle is that kind of like first little moment in time, which tells you something is not quite right. And honestly, if I was to backtrack my niggles before the point that I really, really became unwell, I was probably having niggles for a decade, a decade of little things that were just sort of prodding me and going, something is not quite right. Something is not quite right, whether it was a little bit of a dodgy tummy, whether it was bloating after eating, whether it was feeling just really tired and wiped out or a little bit brain foggy, whether it was just like the slow decline in my ability to exercise. There were so many different niggles that happened for me along the way. And when we experience a niggle, most human beings do not pay attention. Especially if it's subtle, life is busy. We've got responsibilities. We're distracted by all the different stresses we have in our life. A little niggle just doesn't feel important, so we ignore it and we continue doing all the things we are unconsciously incompetent at. And what happens is we start to experience increasing amounts of pain in our life, and this is represented by segment C on the big tick, which is what I like to call the pain slide. So the longer we ignore the nickels, the bigger the nickels get and the more vocal the nickels get. And we're starting to experience more and more disruption to our life. But if you're a human being like I am, you probably ignored those for a really long time. Or we normalize them in our society today. We'd say, oh, it's just that I'm getting older or just that I've been really stressed or just that I haven't slept well. And we normalize and normalize and normalize we experience more disruption more discomfort but we keep on going keep on going keep on going because that might be your personality type and eventually we go all the way down that segment c and we get to point d and d is what i like to call the rock bottom and In my own illness experience, there were kind of two rock bottoms. There was the rock bottom when I was finally ready to admit that something was seriously not right and when I was no longer to override the niggles anymore, when I was no longer able to just push through, when I actually was no longer to live the life that I had once lived and I had to acknowledge that, that was my first point D. And then there was like another point D that came later after a mold exposure and a a very massive personal stressor, which was also then a a relapse for me. So I kind of, I think of my journey as two point Ds, the initial one, and then the second one, which is then when I really started to acknowledge the, the grief and the loss of my illness. So point D is like our rock bottom Very briefly, from a nervous system perspective, I would also say point D is also when we are probably going to be very overwhelmed, very stuck, very frozen, maybe in the height of survival mode. There's a lot of nervous system activation at point D, possibly to the point of freeze. But it's at this point in time that we start to become conscious. So up until this point, we were maybe unconsciously incompetent. We didn't know what we didn't know. We had blind spots. And then we get to this point D where we're like consciously incompetent. We can see a little bit more clearly now. It doesn't mean we can see absolutely everything. we are like, oh yeah, I can see how I've been living my life. I can see how the choices I've been making haven't been serving me. I can see how I ended up in this way. And this is the d is also standing for decide it's where we can make a decision so all that activation we have in the nervous system all that fight flight survival energy it's actually energizing the body in some way because from that energy we can create action and then we can start to create actions to take care of ourselves better We can start to create action to eat in a certain way. We can maybe start to create actions to set better boundaries. We can start to create actions where we maybe take certain supplements or see practitioners that are supportive for us or whatever it is. When we fail to take action, that can often be when the amount of freeze in the system is too overwhelming. So when someone struggles to decide, when someone struggles to start the process of change, when someone isn't able to move forward, that's often when there is more of a freeze state in the system. And for mo- the most part, people are going to have both. People are going to have a lot of activation, they're going to have some freeze, they're going to move between the two. And that's kind of the nature of chronic illness. But when we're looking at extremes, like people who really, really just cannot move forward no matter what, then we want to suggest that there's a lot of freeze in the system, almost like a more of like a flop freeze than like a very highly activated freeze so that there's no energy to move forward. But it is the pain of being in this horrible place that we desperately do not want to be in that energizes us to move forward and start to make decisions because we are now consciously incompetent. We can see what we were doing wrong before. And so we start to Climb out of the very bottom of this big tick, and if you're using that sort of square root sign in your um, mind, it's like the very like the the bottom of the V in the square root sign. We're starting to now create action which moves us forward. And as I said already, there's so many different things we probably need to do as part of our healing journey. But you know, we're starting to prioritize our sleep. We're starting to eat better, balance blood sugar, do some nervous system work, set boundaries reduce stimulation, get a movement routine, take supplements, like all the, all the possible things we could do, we maybe start to take those actions. And we start to move up the other side of this tick. And as we move up, we're no longer in as much pain as we were before. So the pain is getting less and less the more actions we take and the better we feel, the more momentum we're gaining. And eventually we get to point F on the tick. And point F is what I like to call the danger zone. So we've made these changes. We're no longer in as much pain as we were in before, whether that's emotional, physical, mental pain. Our nervous system is probably not as dysregulated as it was before. And we're in line with B, which can kind of feel like, oh yeah, I've been here before. I know what it's like to be here. And this is where it's easy for complacency to set in. And I see this with clients all the time is that they do a fantastic job on their blood sugar and they're doing a fantastic job with prioritizing their sleep and they're doing a fantastic job with their pacing and saying no and setting boundaries. And then they start to feel a little bit better and they just get a bit slack. You know, the sugary things are creeping in. They're not eating as much protein. They're doing a little bit more than what they should. And then this is where there's sort of like a complacency that happens and they start to go backwards. So point F is the danger zone because it can feel like you've made progress because you have. You've made progress from point D, but you haven't fully stepped into the person that you need to be to be fully well and so point f and all the way from point f up until point h which is segment g on the big tick is where people are prone to self-sabotage people at d are more likely to procrastinate people in segment g are more likely to self-sabotage and so the reason why we self-sabotage or we get complacent, or we go around in circles, or we take two steps forward and two steps back, is because we are still operating from a place of being the old self. And what that really means is that, and you may have heard me say this on the podcast previously, to achieve something you have never achieved before, you must become someone you have never been. Therefore, to move through this process of change that is required to come out the other side of your healing journey, there is an identity shift that is required. And if your habits and behaviors change before your identity and your nervous system changes, it will only be a matter of time until you fall back into old habits. Because the strongest force in the human nervous system is your identity. And all of our nervous systems are calibrated to a certain way of being. Therefore, we have to change the calibration of our nervous system alongside our habits and behaviors and routines to create the lasting change that we desire to fulfill our health goals. And so what this means is if you push through If you take on too much, more than what your nervous system is ready for, those are are common reasons why people go backwards. But sometimes it can be a lot more complex than that. There can be a lot of things that are deeply rooted in our unconscious that may come up as conflicts as we're working on our healing journey. And if we don't deal with the underlying conflicts as we're working on our healing journey, then what happens is we're more prone to going back and because we're not actually changing on that cellular nervous system level that is required for long-lasting change. So this stage of change, if you've got all the way up to F and you're now working on this final part of your journey, the stage of change is conscious competence. We now know what we need to do and we have to consciously work at doing it. And what that really means is that we have to stay present. We can't become, if we, if we take on too much, we become overwhelmed. We can't stay present with the process. We don't set boundaries and protect our time. We can't stay present with the process. If we do things that zap our energy, we don't have enough energy to consciously stay present with the process, which is kind of like a catch-22 when you're working with fatigue conditions. But this is what I would call the chop wood carry water stage of change. It's boring. It's repetitive. You have to keep on showing up. It's not new. It's not exciting. Everybody else is doing this, but you still have to do all your healing things. And you've been doing them a while and you're, you are making progress, but it's slow. And it requires discipline. And it's all the things that people don't want to do but it's all the things that are necessary for you to do to achieve the success that you want to achieve. And how do we energize this process? Because this process sounds hard. It sounds like it takes energy. And when you've got a fatigue condition, where do you even get the energy for your healing? And so when we're at point D, we are motivated by pain. We're in the most uncomfortable place and we're like, this is so uncomfortable. I just don't want to be here. I can feel all the discomfort in my nervous system. I want out of here. And it's that desire to run away from the pain that energizes the process of change initially. But motivation is short-term attainable, but it's long-term unsustainable. We can't constantly rely on motivation because motivation will drain your energy. And if we have to always have energy from pain to motivate us, that's another reason why we go around and round in circles. We feel a little bit better. We don't really feel motivated to be consistent anymore. We relapse. We don't feel so good. But now we're like, oh, yes, I'm motivated again to do the work because I don't feel so good. And then we go round and round in circles. So to really get forward, to really get to where we want to go, we need to be inspired. We need to be inspired by the process of healing. There has to be something so big, so powerful, so meaningful in our life that pulls us towards our goals. So we don't have to push all the time. And that, this is one of the reasons why with all my clients, I ask them what their purpose is. A lot of my clients, not all of them are mums or parents or fathers. And for a lot of them, they want to be there for their kids. They want to do the school run. They want to go to all the sports games. They want to play sports with their children. Not all of my clients have children, but just as an example, For others, it's dating, finally being able to get married, being able to have a career, maybe a career which is a purpose-led career where they're helping other people with the same things that they've struggled with. And it's the inspiration of the future that helps to energize their system so that they can show up every single day and do what it is that they need to do to be well. So I guess here on reflection is an invitation to... Think about what is inspiring you in your journey. Why do you even need your health? What is your health for? And make sure that whatever your health is for, you need to be able to feel the connection of the inspiration of that in your body, which is why nervous system work is required because sometimes we can't even connect with that feeling in the body. And if you're in that space in your journey, just know that that's okay. That's something you can work on, but it is going to be an essential part of the process when it comes to making change and continuing to show up and do what is required to move you forward. And I would say a big thing that often pulls people down is their belief. Some people don't believe that they can feel more well. Some people don't believe that they can feel better. And that's another reason to self-sabotage because why would you keep on showing up and putting your energy into something that you don't believe is going to work for you? So it's really important that we stay connected to the belief that healing is possible. And it doesn't necessarily have to be like this miraculous healing. If you're struggling with the idea that healing is possible, one of the things I tell I ask my clients is, do you believe you could feel 10% better than you do right now? And most of them will say yes. And I know when they get to that 10% better point, I'll say, and do you believe you can feel 10% better now? And then they'll say, yeah, no, I think this is not the end of the road for me. I believe that we can go further." And then we take it just one little increment at a time. So I know with a lot of brain training programs, they get you to visualize your future self all amazing, incredible and healthy. And for a lot of people, that's a stretch. But if you can just bring it back to one small thing, you know, if you worked for it, you would be able to do and just kind of break your goals down into micro goals. That can also be, be really, really helpful if your nervous system feels far too overwhelmed by this idea of like living this wild life of complete recovery. Not to say that that's not possible as well, but sometimes it doesn't feel accessible to the nervous system at the time. So. I know it's kind of been a lot of new information to take on, but just to kind of recap on all the little points and give you some feel for thought before I wrap up the episode today. We've been talking about the different stages of change in the framework of the big tech. We talked about unconsciously incompetent, which I said is most people are probably unconsciously incompetent before they become properly unwell. They're just keeping on doing what they're doing not necessarily in service of their health and then it all catches up with them they ignore the niggles they get even more unwell and eventually they reach point d on the tick where it's time to decide and they're now starting to become conscious to their incompetencies and starting to become more aware of what's going wrong and starting to make changes so point d is the rock bottom it can be where sometimes people get stuck Or it can also be where we can use the dysregulation in the nervous system to try change in the short term. And it's where we rely on the motivation that comes from the pain of being in that situation to move forward. But once we've moved out of pain, it's very easy to get complacent, to relapse, to go around in circles, to get stuck and self-sabotage. Because the next part of the journey is becoming consciously competent. You know what you need to do, but you have to consistently show up and do it. And in order for that, in order for you to be consistent with your new habits, behaviors, way of living, the nervous system needs to change. And in order for the nervous system to change, we have to obviously work at the nervous system. But we also need to have a reason to do the work, an inspiration to do the work. And this is where we have to be connected to the sense of pleasure that is associated with achieving the goal. And even if that sense of pleasure is just to feel 10% better, that is still a worthy goal for you to have. Then eventually when we reach the goal, whatever it is, we are now unconsciously competent. So once we repeat habits, repeat behaviors again and again and again, they become wired into who we are. They become part of us. They become part of our nervous system. And then from this place, they no longer take as much energy. And then we have energy for new things, for new habits, for new behaviors. And then we'll probably go through a whole new cycle of this tick again in a, in a completely different way at a just higher level of consciousness and a higher level of awareness. And in reality, when I'm working with my clients, we're not just going through one tick. We're going through multiple ticks. And each tick is probably representative of certain challenges. So there may be like the nutrition tick, like getting somebody to think differently about food and eat differently. But there may also be like a boundaries and relationships tick, where we're working through the challenges of setting healthy boundaries and having healthy relationships. There may also be a going back to work tick, where we're dealing with the the challenges of integrating back into the real world. So, there are multiple different ticks that we move through in life. But if we can identify where we are on the tick, then we know where we want to place our focus and energy and attention. So, for example, if you're ignoring niggles right now, but you're not at a very low point, you can interrupt that sort of pain slide that I described at any point in time. At any point in time, you can choose to become aware of what you're doing and make a change. But If you're at point D, if you're in a very, very low point, your lowest point, and you're struggling to take actions and move forward, that's where there may be a lot of deep freeze in your system. And I would say nervous system work to support the freeze first and foremost is probably the priority. But then if you're somebody who is energized enough to take the actions and to stop moving forward, it's just being aware that we can only harness the motivation from pain in the short term. You want to start to connect with what is required longer term. You still want to be doing the nervous system work so you can support the consistency of your changes in the long term. And if you're kind of a point if you've been doing things for a while, but you're maybe not noticing you're starting to self-sabotage, this is where you want to start to really connect with your why, your purpose and the inspiration behind change. The nervous system work is ongoing here to facilitate the process, maybe also sort of questioning what if you believe that this is possible for you and starting to look at maybe where old parts are holding you back or or pulling you back in your journey. And so that is just me giving some insight into the process of change As I said already, as I go into this, um, there's a whole training module on this in the Nurturing Resilience Group program. But before we get there, we obviously learn some more about the nervous system so you can fully understand how the nervous system integrates more with this model and then how to support it as you move through your chronic illness journey. But I did just want to share this kind of brief overview of this process with you today. And it does make a lot more sense if you look at the diagram that i'll link with this so you can follow along as i'm talking about each of the different stages if you would like to do more work on your nervous system to support you in your journey whether that is because your system needs nervous system support or you need the nervous system support to help with the change journey that is required the next round of nurturing resilience starts on the 11th of march you can find out more about that on my website. Just go to annamarsh.co.uk forward slash Nurturing the I'll put that link in the show notes as well. But other than that, if you're not ready to invest in your nervous system or you're not ready to invest in a program to move forward, I'll really just take a moment today to just reflect on this concept of the big tech. Think about perhaps where you are in this change journey. And maybe if there's a... Dynamic that keeps on happening that's stopping you from moving forward. Have a bit of a think about what that could be in the context of the tick. Um, Is it complacency? Is it self-sabotage? Is it procrastination? And then think about some of the conflicts that are happening, some of the things that are maybe blocking the way forward for you and what you could do differently or what you've been doing that hasn't been serving you as you move forward in this journey of change. So that brings me to the end of today's episode. I will see you in the next one. But before I say goodbye, just a reminder, if you haven't already, I would love it if you could leave a review either on iTunes or just click the five stars on Spotify. It would make my day. And make sure you are subscribed and following along so you can get the next episode as soon as it's ready. Have a wonderful Fatigue Recovery Day and speak to you soon.